You're listening to the Hotter on Top podcast, hosted by me, Becca Kavanaugh. This podcast is for the woman that wants it all, the thriving business, the passionate love life, and the embodied inner radiance to have and hold it all with ease and pleasure. Every week, I will be giving you the behind the scenes on how you can run your own successful business without sacrificing your pleasure or spiraling into burnout. These tools and teachings are what I have used to accelerate my growth in the online space and go from working multiple jobs, hustling 12 hours a day, you name it, to channeling my genius into a potent business that gives me the freedom and flexibility to work whenever and however the fuck I want. Now I mentor my clients to carve out their own unique space in the industry and make a massive impact and income by being their most bold and turned on selves. Think of this podcast as your dose of deep business and personal development that will leave you with the juice and confidence you need to start taking action on your desires right fucking now. My goal for this podcast is to have you feeling turned on to create your own version of a pleasure-based business and tap into your deepest desires by unapologetically asking for what you want. Because I believe women feel hotter when they are on top. Right, I have Jen Underwood here, the emotional dominatrix. I'm super excited to bring her on the podcast today. And just as I was telling her before we started this podcast episode that I have been admiring Jen from afar, I've been lurking, I've been a proud lurker for a long time. <laughs> and so I'm really excited for you to just come on, share your story and all the things. So if we want to take a moment here, first things first, to kind of just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about like, how did you become the emotional dominatrix? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. So I am an emotional mastery coach. I work with people around emotional regulation, um, nervous system regulation, embodied, um, somatic work around trauma resolution. I also do a lot of work with people around boundaries and communication, things that I think are requirements for ongoing emotional regulation and um, have been doing that work as a coach for about three years. But before that, I worked as a social worker with maybe the most traumatized population on the planet, just severely mentally ill, chronically addicted, homeless people. And before that, I was a high school teacher in like inner city schools, like really poor gang-ridden neighborhoods. So I've worked with trauma for a really long time. Um, And that's what I love doing. And a couple of years ago, one of my clients, we were doing a session, And um, I don't even know what it was about anymore. I actually don't even remember who it was. And, (laughs) but one of my clients was like, I feel like you're an emotional dominatrix. Like, I don't know what just happened. Like, did you tie me up? And then (laughs) (laughs) my brain's broken. I'm pretty tender, but also I liked it. Like I felt safe. Like what was, what was that about? And, um, and so I joked for a while about using that name professionally. Um, and then about a year and a half ago, went ahead and pulled the trigger, uh, it feels like a really good way to describe my energy, I think. And it helps people get a feel for who I am before they ever step into any of my containers. I love, love, love that. Um, and you had, so yeah, you have such a long history of dealing with trauma, all the things. And you were a therapist at one point as well. Correct. Right. And so I think that for, well, speaking from my experience of kind of encountering your work, being aware of your work and everything, my first instinct was like, she's an overnight success. Who is this? She's an overnight success. There's no way. And 
And then come to find out, obviously you dig a little bit deeper and you're like, oh shit, no, she has all (laughs) this background knowledge of trauma. And so I would love to hear a little bit more about like this idea or maybe this feeling of like how you scaled your business. Um, and did it feel like an overnight success to you, even though maybe that's what it looks like on the outside to others? (laughs) And that it's such an interesting concept, right? That like, oh, it's just like overnight this changed and, and, and in many ways overnight it did change. Um, and it definitely didn't feel like an overnight success. I will say that to me on my end. Um, I think I, you know, one of the things I've been talking with a lot of my clients about is this idea that we really, I think we all have two things that we have to master before that thing happens where like suddenly it bursts and, you know, like the bubble pops or you, you're like, oh, like things are just working. <clears throat> And those two things to me feel like there's like a, the business side of things. And then there is the personal side of things. And, and the business side of things is not just what's the strategy and like, what's, you know, what am I doing? I think it's all of how do I hold myself in all the emotions and the stretchiness, um, And for me, I not only had been working in trauma and in, you know, I had been a therapist, a social worker, a teacher, all of these things um, for a decade, but I also have been doing like four, five years of really intense personal growth work and my own nervous system regulation work. And so I feel like I was really kind of like almost primed to have it look like a bit of an overnight success because once I got the business regulation piece down from my coach, like once I started working with her and she was like, okay, it was like, oh, like that was the one piece I was missing. And, and then it did start working pretty quickly. Um, and I'll say even that first, the first year and a half after I started working with her was still really up and down and really rocky and full of a lot of zero months. And, you know, like it was um, still very much a lot of like, how am I going to pay my rent most of that year and a half? And, um, and, and then it did change very quickly. Um I think, you know, 2020, I made about a hundred thousand dollars and the first month of 2021, I made a hundred thousand dollars. And, um, and then, and then by November, I had a hundred thousand dollar week, um, of that month, you know, so like, so the, the scaling of that, the, you know, collapsing of time is, was intense. It certainly felt really intense. Um, but, but it feels like it was a long time in the making. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you were like, it was, it's almost like that nervous system regulation that you were doing was priming you to hold it. It's like, okay, you've already held it in one capacity. Now let's just shorten the time that you can hold this in. And yeah, that's absolutely like intense. Like, I'm sure that there comes with that feeling of like, like this is just so much excitement, but also like so much to hold at the same time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I'll say that one of my trauma, one of my go-to trauma patterns is like, I'm holding it all by myself and like, I can handle it, but I'm kind of barely handling it. And so every time I hit an edge, like that's exactly how it feels. Like it's a lot to hold. And then I have to work through that and I have to work through the ways I sometimes even want to make it a lot to hold, even when it's not. <laughs> and like bring awareness of that. And, um, but it is, yeah, it's a lot. Like it's a lot to hold the the expansion, um, inc- inc- 
especially when it's such a rapid expansion and to regulate your nervous system and stay grounded and stay in your authenticity through that process is a lot. And luckily it's also what I do with clients and I get to constantly work my own work. Um, and it's something that I just geek out about and love. So that helps. <laughs> so I guess that kind of leads us to like, I'm curious from, from like your point of view, seeing your clients or with yourself or anything like that, like, what are some signs that people are kind of running their business from these more trauma responses that they cannot hold this, right? Like, what are some signs that maybe people could be like, Ooh, like, Ooh, that's kind of me. <laughs> I'm kind of maybe doing that. Yeah. The most common ones I think that, um, that I see are people going into, like a, what I call a flight freeze, um, flip-flop, which looks like, like a panic and like, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to get this done. Um, you know, might be working 12 hour days and then, and then crashing. And that could be a short crash. That could just be at the end of the day, drinking a couple glasses of wine, putting on TV, being like, I'm so exhausted. And the next thing you know, like, why am I watching the seventh episode of this trashy reality TV on Netflix, right? Like, um, it could also be like, this happens a lot in launch cycles, I think for people where it's like, go, 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 and then crash for weeks or even some of my clients crash for months after mm-hmm. a launch where it's like, it felt like so scary and too much to like kind of go back in knowing they're going to have to ramp back up to that. Um, So we, I see it a lot in working patterns for sure. I also see it a lot in people looking externally constantly around, well, like what would people like and like, what do they want to hear? And well, this, what would sell, this might sell, or what are other people doing? And then I'll do that. Like, what did this teacher tell me? And then I'll do that. Like, and, and I get a lot of my clients, unfortunately, after they've been through like 10 different versions of this and they come to me and they're like, I don't, I don't have any idea who I am anymore or what I do or what I want to do or how to do it because they've been told so many different ways to do it. And they've taken each on as truth and like Bible gospel and like, okay, like this must be the way Um, and kind of lost themselves. I think that's a big pattern. I see Um, a lot around like getting defensive, Mm -hmm. um, fearing that people don't like you or they're not going to respond to your message or um, not being able to take any kind of criticism, um, not being able to adjust like a lot of just that, I mean, really ultimately it's a lot of like, what are you afraid of? And then how is that, how is that coming out in some kind of strategy in the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those, I think that a lot of people can resonate with a lot of those examples or maybe even all of those examples at one point in time. Something that really stood out to me was um, one time we were talking on a post in a group that we were in and you had mentioned about like people kind of going on their own with business for a long time and then kind of being stuck in those responses for a lot longer and making business a lot harder. And then therefore it kind of like solidifies because now they've just gone so far into this is how a business is run. And I really resonated with that because my first five years of business as a hairstylist, it was like, it was like that. It was like, I don't need a whole lot of help. I can do all this on my own. I can hold all of this. And it was that constant, like every day just felt anxiety driven just all the time. And it's for somebody like me, I feel like I don't have any issue about showing up. I'll continue to show up, but I'm just so depleted. Right. <laughs> like, And that was something that I really had to work on as I decided to hire a coach so that I decided to kind of go more into this work. And that was like, oh my God, I could have saved myself like five years in my business if I just got help a little bit sooner. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, definitely, you know, hyper independence and not needing help is a big thing that holds people back. And I do hold that that is a trauma response, but it's interesting because I think one of the things you just referenced that I see a lot with my clients is it's not even just that it takes longer to then get the things done, but for a lot of my clients, they are they come to me then so much more traumatized than they otherwise would be, where, where I'll often see this thing where someone who's been in business for six years, for example, it takes me longer to un you know, because I have to undo all of that, a lot mm-hmm. of the like trauma that they experienced it might take longer to get them regulated and get them moving forward than someone who's brand new even mm-hmm. um, because they're not coming to me with all of that baggage that needs to get unpacked and um, undone before they can move forward and really figure out like who they are in their business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They kind of have a little bit, they haven't been going through almost the cycles the trial and error and having all this evidence of like this is how my business is run in this response so therefore this is how business exists because I don't know any other way (laughs) exactly right it's like all of the evidence of like yeah but well I've tried that in the past and it hasn't worked it's like well but there's a difference between doing something that's aligned and in integrity and within your message and doing something because someone told you that you should, and you're just fully in a strategy and it's not coming from that same place. We get two different results. Yeah, definitely. I love that because it's like, yeah, sometimes I think like we can't always draw evidence from our past to like, you know, be a marker for our future. And that is, a prime example of that. It's like when you're coming from two different types of like responses in your body, everything like that, it's like, you're going to get different results, even if it seemingly is like the same thing on the surface. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that this is a big piece of my work is understanding the stories that we're telling ourselves and then the ways in which we will always find evidence to back up those stories. And so Like if we have, you know, if we're operating under certain stories, you might have a mound of evidence. (laughs) Like, like I bet you do. I guarantee you do. Like, and what if the story itself is wrong, right? Like, what if it's simply, what if you have that evidence because you've been looking everywhere for that evidence, but you've been missing all of the other possibilities and other evidence for other stories that would serve you better. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Finding a different story um, is something that, you know, obviously as coaches, we always do, but it's, it's having that great reminder as well of like, if you want, you can shift your story and you can find the evidence that supports it. Right. And so I'm curious to know now, like there is with being trauma-informed, obviously there is no like question that you are. (laughs) So I'm curious to know, because I know that trauma-informed or the word even trauma has become a little bit more like recognized in coaching spaces, but also just in society in general. Um, I think that we're becoming a little bit more trauma-aware, but on the other hand of it, I'm wondering from your perspective, is there potentially like harm being done by people that are claiming to be trauma-informed or what is like kind of your perspective on that? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I feel like I've got edgy things to say on this. Um, Please say them. Please don't hold back. (laughs) I usually almost always do. (laughs) Um, But I... I do. I actually think so. In general, I think that a lot of people think that they're trauma-informed or trauma-aware, but don't have a deeper understanding and don't really understand the why behind things. It's like, you know, understanding kind of basic rules um, that they were given 
without understanding that really there's almost nothing that is fundamentally trauma-informed behavior. Um, it's because it isn't about what you're doing, it's why you're doing it. And, and so I, I do have a lot of um, concern, I would say, around um, a lot of um, people who have some basic level of trauma um, awareness or some, you know, like maybe they've read a book or they did like a light teaching or they did a teaching that was very much kind of more of a corporate HR, like, you know, like here's, here are rules. Mm -hmm. Um, here are exact things that you do that don't actually make anyone trauma informed or trauma aware in my opinion. Um, and don't, uh, don't lead necessarily to better outcomes. Um, and, and can in fact make people more harmful because they think that they know what they're doing when they don't actually know what they're doing. Mm, Yeah. That's interesting. It's almost like not being open to potentially like seeing different forms of education or anything like that, because you're like, well, no, I'm trauma aware. This is what you do. This is X, Y, and Z. Um, but like you said, if you don't understand the why behind it and in no way am I, I don't claim to be trauma informed at all. Um, this is why I wanted your perspective on it, because it's something that I think has been talked about a lot, especially in the coaching industry. Um, and I'm just, it's one of those things that unfortunately I feel that is getting a little bit diluted, you know, it's getting a little bit like somebody like you who is trauma informed, it's it's taking away from that. If somebody had an experience with somebody that claimed that they were trauma informed, but then they were not, you get what I'm saying there? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who are like, Oh, like, okay. I understand some basic level of this. And then they add it on because it's like another skill that you can add on to your resume that is more likely to make people hire you. Right. And, um, and that's unfortunate, like, because, um, because I do think it can make people even less safe. Um, and, and for that matter, I think it's, it's actually a required skill when you're working with humans. Like, I really do think that people, you know, I think that the way that I teach trauma is that trauma is emotions, any emotion that you has, that you've ever felt that wasn't expressed, um, that then gets stored in your body, Mm -hmm. meaning all humans have trauma. (laughs) There isn't a human on the planet that doesn't have trauma. And even when we're not working with major traumas, even if, you know, we're not holding people in, you know, serious trauma resolution, it's so incredibly helpful to have skills that allow us to see what's happening with our clients. And, and I would love for everyone to have those skills and have a better understanding of the humans that they're working with. Mm, Yeah, definitely. And that's something too, that like, this is something I've heard a lot of in the coaching industry as well as like, sometimes, you know, even therapy isn't, uh, you know, immune to harm or anything like that. Like I know, um, I know for a while I had a therapist for a long time and there were some interactions there that I was like, Ooh, not too sure, you know, how that made me feel or anything like that, especially having a little bit more insight to it now. Um, and, and I know that there are some people that do come into coaching that are like, Oh my gosh, this is like, more than years of therapy. Like I've been in years of therapy and now coaching has really helped me. So like, why do you think that is? Why do you think that there are people that are coming into coaching spaces that are like, well, I am getting more out of coaching than I did in years of therapy? Yeah. I think, you know, therapists, um, as an ex-therapist and as someone who's trained, um, clinically, I, I think that the therapy model relies on a lot of rules um, that, that can limit ability to 
have a real impact. Um, and those rules are meant to keep people safe, right? So I think a lot of people feel like they, you know, some people feel like they come into coaching and it's like, this is the wild west, right? Like you gotta kind of do anything and that, that can feel very, that can feel very unsettling or scary to people where it's like, wait, like, I don't, you know, what rules are you operating under? And, um, and I, I mean, I think that that's why it is so important that people do gain that awareness of trauma skills so that they have the ability to hold everyone, even when there are rules. Mm-hmm. But I think the upside of not having rules is that there is more ability to be more directive. Um, there's ability to push people in a way that you generally would not do in a therapy model. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not do most of what I do in therapy. <laughs> I'll be honest, very little of what I currently do could I do in therapy. Um, even though I use, I actually use many therapeutic tools still mm-hmm. in my practice. Um, certainly tools that come from therapeutic models. I use a fair amount of it. I use a lot of training and awareness and teachings. Um, and, and there is something about someone being fully in it with you. Like a coach gets to be fully in it with you. There isn't that um, kind of removal of uh, space, that like space in between generally speaking, there's some room in power dynamics. So there is always power dynamics in that relationship. There's some differences in that in between coaching and therapy. I'm able to, as a coach, I'm able to definitely like point things out very very clearly that I'm seeing to people in ways that I wouldn't do as a therapist. I would just let them kind of spin in it and wait until they get to it. Mm. Um, I'm also able to humanize myself. I'm able to be more funny, quite honestly, like more personable um, in ways that I think are really, really, really helpful to the process. Being able to say things in their language, whatever that might be, um, you know, or, or refer back to things that they have said to me, um, makes it, makes it really easy to move people along and have them understand what's happening. You know, so I'm thinking of like a couple different moments of like one in particular where I was with a client who was talking about, Um, she had previously talked about how like her ideal life is that she only works a couple hours a day and then spends a lot of time having sex with her husband and you know and then in a future session where she was talking about working too much like my homework was like absolutely not close your computer go fuck your husband like (laughs) like, you know like and I could never do that like I can't say that you know as a therapist like that's not something I could ever say as a coach I could be like you already told me what you want and here it is in your language go (laughs) no more work for the rest of the day (laughs) um in in a way that's it does it helps mix things up right Mm -hmm. and like move things along quicker Mm, yeah I love that and like what you had mentioned too about like it's almost like speaking their language yeah I think about that a lot as well as like being able to kind of talk to my clients in a way that is going to help them better understand what I'm trying to convey to them or what we're trying to work together on. Um, like a lot of my clients are in like relationship type coaching and that's not, you know, what I do. I do more business type coaching and a lot of the time. So they'll be like, well, I healed this with men or I healed this within my relationships. I'm like, now we're going to apply this to your business. (laughs) Like now this is what this is going to be. Right. Because there are a lot of those connections, um, with relationships, business, how we show up and all the things. Um, and so I guess like, I'm wondering how does, like, I think that we've kind of gotten a grasp on like why emotional mastery is so important in business. 
Um, but I would love to hear a little bit more about like, how do you define emotional mastery and how does that really benefit people's businesses? Yeah, I, I define emotional mastery as, um, an awareness of ourselves and our patterns. I, a, maybe comfort's the wrong word, a comfort with, with the full range of our emotions, Mm -hmm. Um, or a willingness to be and and knowing that we're safe and held in the full, the full range of all of our, our, all of our emotions, um, having healthy, flexible, aligned boundaries that continue to keep us internally safe. Um, and really knowing that that we can take care of anything that like we can trust ourselves like the rock solid sense of I've got this no matter what happens mm-hmm. um and I guess another way to say that would be like I really define emotional mastery as not needing things externally to go a, a certain way in order to feel internally like you're okay mm-hmm. yeah love that like that feels really kind of the basis of everything Mm. and when we talk about the importance of emotional mastery in business right like I feel like if you use that last sentence it becomes incredibly obvious why it's why it's important in business Mm. um when we need things externally to go a certain way it also means that anything that doesn't go that way creates an internal storm and then we tend to become very reactive as humans to those emotions and move from those places, which is when we start acting out of all of our trauma responses and our strategies, trying to manage the storm, but often not having any, you know, no kind of awareness of what's going on, no ability to see clearly in what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing so, we step out of our leadership completely and totally. And when you're not holding your business, um, when you're not holding yourself, you're also not holding your clients. You know, you're not showing up in the highest form of service really to them. Um, And I think it becomes like a bit of a cycle of harm. And then, you know, ultimately, right. It's like, the self-fulfilling prophecy of like, I didn't get the response. I panic, (laughs) you know, I react in this way again, like didn't get the response I wanted because I'm acting out of this place that isn't super healthy, you know, and it becomes this cycle down um, where people kind of like dig themselves into ruts in their business. Um, So I think that I think emotional mastery in business is everything. Um, and, and I watch it really affect people, not just in the bottom line and the numbers of their business, but also in how they feel in how they show up in their business every single day. And, and really like, why else are we doing this? <laughs> right? Like, like, I'm like, I don't care if you have a half million dollar business, if every day you're worried about whether or not you're going to lose it, or you're worried about what's going to happen, or you're reacting to everyone around you, or, you know, you're in panic, and you're in fear, and you're in anxiety, and you're reacting constantly to external stimuli. That sounds horrible. That sounds like a nightmare to me. Um, You know, like we do this because we wanted to be free for most of us, like entrepreneurship is not like the easiest journey. Most of us did it because we want to be free and that freedom comes with emotional mastery and being free inside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just like had so many things of like lighting up, like how I told you about, you know, being anxious in business for a really long time. And that was like, that's how it was. And it hindered me from wanting to make more money 
Cause I was like, well, then I'm going to have more clients and then I'm going to have more anxiety and there's no way I can do all this. And then I'm going to have to spend more money because I'm going to have more clients. And like, it was just one of those things that like, I inadvertently like capped my income because there was just no way. Um, because I had such a deep belief of that, the more clients I had, the more money I made, like the more anxious I was going to be, the harder it was going to be, the more hours I was going to have to work. Um, and let me tell you, like your patterns will fucking follow you. It followed me to this business (laughs) every time. (laughs) And I was like, in the beginning of this business, I was like, I literally have so much time. I used to work like almost 12 hours days. Like most days I worked seven days a week, like rarely had days off. And I got into this business and I was like, I have so much time and it freaked me the fuck out. Like, (laughs) I was like, how do I make my schedule as busy as I can? (laughs) How do I do all the things? And, and so I guess like I'm saying all this because I think sometimes we equate like hard work with strategy and with things like getting the result that we want and what you had said about like you know having you could have a multi-million dollar business and like it doesn't really matter if you feel like shit every day yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I think that's the thing more than anything else is it's like why did you you know why like why did you start this business like why did you want to do this thing you know, for most of us, it wasn't to recreate everything that we were fleeing from nine to fives or corporate America. <laughs> like, you know, like we wanted something different and we wanted to help people along the way. Um, and the only way that that happens is through emotional mastery where you are grounded and centered and regulated and can hold anything that comes up and and also for that matter to even just be true to actually even what you want you know one of the things I work with clients a lot with right now is is this like feeling of that they have to chase success and chase goals and you know it's all a competition and somehow they're always behind And they're not, you know, fast enough, flashy enough, cool enough. Like they're not making enough money that like, they think that, you know, there's, there's almost, it's interesting in the coaching industry in particular, I think there's a story that like everyone should be, should want a million dollar business or more. And, and, and that's not true. (laughs) Like a lot it's not true like a lot of people first off well I I don't think that everyone can have that I don't think everyone's meant to have that or you know like and I also don't think that everyone wants that (laughs) like I have a lot of clients who are like oh like when we get down to it it's like their authentic desires is is something totally different um so even that just like building what you actually want And creating what you actually want and not what you think other people are, you know, what you should have based off of what other people are doing is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that that's so hard too, because in, you know, our society and capitalism and everything like that, we just we're like more is better, like more money, obviously, you know, we always want more money. We always want more things. So like, how do you discern like this between this is my authentic desire. This is what I actually want versus like what basically like capitalism tells us that we should want, (laughs) which is this like more money obviously is going to be, you know, obviously nobody would say more no to more money. Right. How do you discern that? Like I guess like, is this, is it a limiting belief versus like, oh, I could have the multi-million dollar business. I could have this versus like the actual authentic desire. Because I think at the basis of it, we could all go like, of course we want a million dollar business. But if we think that that equals more work or more hustle, then we're not going to want that. Mm -hmm. Am I making sense? (laughs) 
<laughs> you got what I'm saying? I mean, I think this is a tricky thing, right? Because on one hand, I could say, well, you know, close your eyes and think about having it. But if you have a story that in order to have that level of success, you have to be working 24 seven, your body's going to constrict when you think about doing that. Right. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that's, that that's something that you, that you don't want. What I would say is what I have found with clients is, um, I think that, I think sometimes we forget that there are kind of like very real aspects of being a out in front thought leader um, that a lot of people don't want. Mm. Um, so I would say that if if you if someone really truly wants like a million dollar plus coaching business. I've never seen anyone do that without being a thought leader. Like that requires thought leadership. Mm-hmm. It requires having a unique perspective on something. It requires being the front of things. And that comes with a whole other set of problems. Mm-hmm. And you can't mindset them away. They are real, they are there. <laughs> like when you are that public, you know, it comes with a new level of responsibility. It comes with, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of turmoil, quite honestly, and conflict and, and these things that there are a lot of people who are like, I know, I just literally don't want to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't like my desire is not enough to, to deal with the outcomes of it. Mm. Like you cannot have, I actually, I, I, and maybe I'm wrong. I'd actually love to see anyone. I'd actually love to see anyone that doesn't, that is doing it differently. Cause I could mm-hmm. very well be wrong, but the way that I've seen it done is it, in order to hold that level of business, you know, like you will have, you will be dealing with way more conflict inside your containers. You will have people who are unhappy with you. Like, whether that's people commenting on your posts on the internet or people in your containers who want their money back or conflict within the containers and people unhappy with how you're showing up and how you're dealing with it. Like, like there will be people who are unhappy with you because in order to get to that level, you have to take a stand and have a really clear stance. And anytime we do that, there are people who are going to disagree, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's just how it goes. Um, and I, I think that takes a certain type of person, quite honestly. Um, it takes a person who has a vision and a desire for that and, and a willingness to hold that conflict and to navigate it. Um, and for a lot of people, that sounds like the worst thing they've ever heard of. <laughs> They're like, that's the last thing in the world that they would ever want. Um, And so one of the things that I work with my clients a lot with is like, at what point did we decide that a $200,000 business is not good enough? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you know, like at what point did we decide that not being on the very top is not good enough? Mm -hmm. And it is okay to want something smaller to want something quieter to um to to be like I don't actually want the um the fallout of what that bigger vision would require Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not limiting beliefs that's just actually being true to yourself Mm, yeah I love that that whole just everything about that was such a breath of fresh air I think um (laughs) because yes in the coaching industry it's like you are successful but only through this one avenue and everything like that and what you said at the end there of like this isn't limiting beliefs this is just being true to you and I think that we often very much lose sight of that and then I guess like my follow-up question with that because leading up to that limiting belief piece like thinking about the, the, um, 
like thinking about trauma responses, thinking about patterns, like how do you discern, like, this is my pattern. Like I'm trying to hold back from doing something because I'm fearful versus like, no, this just isn't for me. Like, I just don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I strongly believe that we all have a vision of the life that we're meant to live. Mm. And I have, like, I think that we, we learn over the years to repress it. But I also think that we know it. I think that, you know, like I often, I'm like, go back to when you were 10. What did you want to do? <laughs> like, what did you dream of? Um, did you dream of being a best-selling author or being on stages or, you know, having a whole bunch of people look at you and, you know, listen to you and learn from you? If you've never had a vision like that, you're probably not meant to be a thought leader. Right. And not because it's a limiting belief or a trauma response, but just literally because that's not what you're being called to do. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's no judgment. It's it's a weird thing that we do. I think it's societally, like we do kind of like, we hold kind of this certain level of like quote unquote famous people in like higher regard. And so then we think it's wrong to not want that, but um, it's not better to want that. And it's not, there's nothing wrong with not wanting that. Um, The only thing that's ever wrong, I hate that word, but wrong is it's, trying to force yourself to do something that you're not meant to do right? <laughs> and that you don't actually want to do. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that we ever go wrong in life. You know, like I, we talk, I, this is common, I think in some like corporate areas too, where it's like, you know, it doesn't matter how high you climb on the ladder if you're on the wrong ladder. Mm, yeah. Like you will get there and you will hate it and you will, you will climb down every mm-hmm. time. Yeah, definitely. So with people listening to the podcast and everything, if they're like, okay, I'm on board, I'm seeing my patterns. I, I need to know, like, how the hell do I start to upheaval all this? (laughs) The first step is always awareness. Mm -hmm. And the way that we gain awareness is curiosity. You can't gain awareness of things when you think that you know the answer. So bringing in curiosity and just being like, huh, I wonder. I wonder if the way I've always looked at this is aligned. Like, oh, why am I doing this? What's going on? Why am I, why do I want to act this way? Why do I want to do this thing? Why, you know, why do I want to, do this next step in my business? What am I trying to achieve here? Who am I trying to prove things to? Like, you know, like, what is this? And just kind of like bringing the why question in, bringing a lot of curiosity in and just bringing awareness is really the first step. And the second step is to always, always, always to get a mentor who can constantly point out your blind spots (laughs) um, because we all need them including me all the time, all the time. (laughs) Like, like, you know, like I forget, I forget all the time. I need my mentors constantly pointing out to me um, my own blind spots or just moments where I forget about things. I'm like, oh yeah, that was funny. I just moved. (laughs) I just moved several states, like moved across several states and Um, I had a moment in the middle of my packing portion of the move where I um, noticed I was like really emotional. Like I was like blocking things. I was like working really hard and then kind of numbing. I was doing the, you know, the pat, the, this pattern thing that I'm aware of that I do. And, and then called my coach and was like, Oh yeah. So fun fact, apparently I forgot that giant transitions cause emotions. And I think I thought I could get through this whole thing without having any. 
<laughs> oh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I hold people in this. I do it all the time. I still forget it myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think we need people outside of ourselves to, to just constantly shine a light on that. And that's actually what collapsing time is. That's what like, cause we just move quicker and quicker through things um, and get to the results that we want even sooner. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So how do people hire you? Yeah. How do people hire, hire the emotional dominatrix? There's, um, there's a couple different ways to work with me right now. I just launched a 12 month, um, leadership certification program, and we are actually starting this month, but there's still a little bit of time to get in on that, um, on this first, uh, cohort. And that is 12 months of diving really deep into facilitation skills, coaching skills, teaching skills in a way or in a way where we are constantly becoming self-aware of our own patterns and learning how to hold everyone else in theirs at the same time. Um, so that is one way to work with me. That's called the Emotional Leadership Certification Program. And then I have a business mastermind for women in business who want to learn how to bring that emotional mastery into their business and school of emotional mastery will re-enroll again in the middle of March. Awesome. Amazing. So how can people find you? So on Instagram, it's the, at the emotional dominatrix, um, emotional dominatrix.com is my website. And on Facebook, um, Jen Underwood, if you look for me, you should be able to find either my personal or my business page. Um, and we also have a um, Facebook group as well that's free called In Command. Awesome. Amazing. And I will link everything down in the show notes for everybody. So you don't have to go searching, um, get in Jen's spaces, learn how to work with her. I find even just the free value that she gives on Instagram, on, in her Facebook areas, like just so much value, just so much value to give. I've learned so much just by watching you, um, and the free things that you give. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for taking the time to share all of your expertise and wisdom. And yeah, I can't wait to see what else is in store for you as you take us on this journey. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I loved being here. Thank you so much for investing your time by listening to today's podcast and take an extra moment to celebrate yourself for prioritizing your pleasure and your business growth. If you found this episode helpful, I would be so honored if you could share a screenshot on your stories and tag me at Becca Jo Kavanaugh on Instagram and leave this podcast a rating and review so we can share all of this goodness with more women who deserve to have and hold it all. If you want to keep the party going, you can join the Bold Biz Bitches Facebook group for even more juice and free behind the scenes trainings. If you are ready to go to the next level, you can learn how to work with me inside my intimate one-on-one -on -one container or self-paced offerings with the links down in the show notes. Sending you all the good pleasure juices for the week, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.